This is the Good for Something show. Uh, this is episode one, and uh, I don't know if it's going to have a title. It probably will be something like chocolate, <laughs> or some real chocolate, or, you know, that which would make sense. Uh, let's see, I've actually given a, a little tagline here. So it's a community show from Boston about people, dreams, ideas, and stuff. And uh, you can find us at goodforsomething.me. And uh, there's a Facebook page and a Twitter account and stuff. You can also find out about that on the website. And my name is Guido. I am uh, your co-host with uh, Laura. My name's Laura. And I'm a co-host with Guido. Talking about stuff. So uh, on today's show, we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna try this out, and, and we're doing this for the first time, and do a little explanation of what the show is, and then uh, we have an interview with Eric Parts at. Uh, Somerville Chocolate, uh, which is somervillechocolate.com, which should be a lot of fun, and uh, that's that. And so let's let's start with origin stories. I guess we'll go right into the uh, origins section here. Uh, so I'm a community organizer. I, I professionally I do geographic information system stuff, and uh, I've done knitting and all sorts of other stuff. I used to have a podcast just about knitting. Uh, it's a proman.com, which is a lot of fun. And uh, I really enjoy doing that, and I want to do something similar, meaning I, I want to uh, have a community show about my community, whatever that is. Uh, and so that's why I'm starting this project. And Laura has signed on to join in because we work together and have a good time at work. I don't know. We work together, we have a good time at work. I'm not really quite sure why I decided to join <laughs> in, actually. <laughs> because as I was telling Guido this morning after my interaction at the coffee shop, which we are not going to be profiling on this show... Um, <laughs> I just, I mean, I just, there's so many people I don't like. So maybe this is an opportunity for me to focus on people and things that I do like. (laughs) So, yeah, and and we'll go with that. So uh, this week, um, the show is not sponsored by anybody in particular, uh, but we, uh, since we don't have a sponsor this week, I'm going to go ahead and, and do a recommendation which is, you should, if you haven't tried it yet, you should really try out PT Pie. Uh, this is where I convinced Laura it would be a good idea to do the show. And uh, <laughs> I think it was the fumes of pie and, and coffee that, that made her think it was a good idea. And, and, and this is not the place where she just got her coffee. So we're no, not, it's not. <laughs> we're not besmirching them in any way. And the owner, Renee, is awesome. And we hopefully a, uh, a future, uh, future uh, interviewee, interviewee for the show. So uh, no sponsor this week, but uh, we recommend uh, Pizza Pie full-heartedly, two thumbs up. And uh, all right, so moving on to things. So things, uh, you know, something uh, good for something. I thought that we should definitely have a segment about something that we're we're checking out this week or stuff we've tweeted or put on Facebook and uh, local stuff as well. And so I sort of had the categories local, food, fun, whatever, but we'll just start off with the first one. So New York Times did an article a little while ago about Union Square, which is uh, where I currently live. It's in Somerville, and they sort of claim that it's a great hipster uh, location with all sorts of interesting stuff, but I feel like they missed uh, all the good stuff. So I'm just going to open up the article here. Let's see. Let's see. They, they, they highlight A4 Pizza. Have you been there? I've not been there, and I've heard really mixed reviews. Some people love the place. Some people don't like the place. I don't know. I, I haven't been there, so I can I kind of hate the place, uh-huh. but that's, that's me, and I have very specific reasons why I hate the place, but... Uh, maybe it was one shot. Maybe if I go back, it'll be better. But uh, I'm kind of not in love and, and don't wish that they would be the 
the cool thing that New York Times highlighted. Uh, Union Square Donuts. How do you feel about them? Have you had their donuts? I have had a donut from Union Square Donuts. They're they're good donuts. They're pretty delicious, but I will say that you know it's a it's a and I'm going to keep using this word a lot very frequently. Hipster. It's a hipster donut shop. They're not open. Uh, they're open at seven now, I guess, on 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 the weekends. And I'm just like, you know what? A donut shop should be open at six. That's the appropriate time for donut <laughs> shops to open. And uh, when I need my coffee and donuts, it's about six in the morning. And since they're not, I, I I write them off a little bit. And their donuts are all they're all like cake donuts. They're not real. Real donuts. See, but if she's a if she's going after the hipsters, then opening at seven is kind of a risk because what self-respecting hipster is awake at seven? I guess so. So, so the Union Square folks. She uh, she knows her market. But they they make a tasty donut. They make some interesting varieties. Um, but I'm not thrilled. If I if I need a solid donut, so here's my thing, right? I go to Verna's in North Cambridge. They make a solid donut, and I love that they make. A Cambridge cream, which you might be confused because you know you you might think it's a Boston, Boston cream, cream, but actually it's a Cambridge cream. It's fantastic, and Verna's is, is the kind of old time coffee shop. First of all, they're open at six in the morning. It's important, <laughs> and uh, you know there's not a whole lot of. It's just a donut shop with some extra pastries and stuff. I think they do weddings and stuff, which I would love to have them do my wedding, but my wedding's already done, and I did not have them do it. So you know, anyhow. Moving on, uh, the tiny museum is highlighted in this article. I have no idea what the tiny. I museum have no idea. I, do you either? Where is it? I, it's a shoebox. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know. Okay. Apparently, it's in I've Union never Square. noticed. I've never noticed that. Maybe shoebox we should go and, find out yeah, what the deal is. Brooklyn Boulders, which is awesome, but um, it's it's a ch- well, it's a chain, but it's 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 still unique, and I do think it's. All, have you been? It's or? really a chain. I have not been. You know, it is but super cool. It's really a chain. Yeah, they're well, highlighting the chain in this, this is, article about awesome things to do. In it's a, I think it's a chain of two: <laughs> one in Brooklyn, one in Somerville. So it was as if Brooklyn, uh, you know, passed on some hipsterness to us in some way. I don't know. I'm still not sure what hipster means. So we still have have ways to go on that. But Brooklyn's pretty good. And then Bronwyn, which I think is awesome. It's a German. Uh, it's a brought brought house. Brought brought house. I don't know. They have great beer, and they have great food. I don't know, but I think they missed a lot of stuff. I don't know if you if you spend time in Union Square, but I, I do, and I I'm always sad that things are overlooked that I think are really great, including Ebi uh, Sushi, the neighborhood, which sometimes gets included in these art kind of articles. The neighborhood think, is the best breakfast place in in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I think it's the line that probably the guy didn't have time because he's doing his 36 hours in Somerville or whatever. He probably didn't have time <laughs> to wait in the line to go in to get the. There, there the is a line. They're a good, good place. But if you're like me and you're up at six in the morning, you're you're like well, the right. second person in the door. <laughs> <laughs> so I never wait for lines. Uh, Block Eleven is a good place to get some coffee, and they have some decent sandwiches as well. I like them. Uh, it's also owned by the people who own Diesel in uh, uh, Davis Square. So it's it's a All chain right. again, but it's a unique chain. I think again, there's only two, and it's instead of importing from Brooklyn, it's importing from Davis Square, which is another part of Somerville. Uh, Sweet Ginger. I don't know if you've been there, but their Thai food is just to die for. It's so good. Well, I need to go there because I haven't found a really good. I mean, I have not found a really good Thai place in this city. One that's not astronomically expensive. You know, and, and so I need to go there. I'm gonna try to at least on this first episode not mau mau too many other places. But there's a Thai place right near my near where I live, and I'm always sad that it sucks. It's around the corner and up the street a little. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't even register on Yeah, it, you know. it, it totally sucks. And, and even though they change management like every two, three years, 
we always try again and, and it's very sad. All right. Well, Sweet Ginger. Okay, that's on my list of Sweet things. Sweet Ginger. And then Hub Comics, which is my favorite comic book shop. And and I I don't spend or I didn't spend too much time with comics for a long time, but then I went in there and the people there are great and they point me to really cool things like sex criminals and and what else am I reading? I don't know. Oh, oh, Chow, which is an excellent series about um, somebody who can tell the tell the future by eating dead people. Really, what more do you okay. what more do you need to know? <laughs> but right, exactly. These are things that you that we need in our life. Uh, the second article or the second uh, link that I'll be putting all this in the show notes is nude farmers. Yeah, this doesn't do it for me. I'm sorry. I know they're trying to raise money so that they can buy their their urban farmland, but. I'm just going to hit the play button here and... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I like that hipsters are farming and that... And again, what is up with all hipsters everywhere? There's no escape. But, uh... Yeah, no, I... I but the nude farming ca calendar... I don't know. It's it's not very appetizing. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to eat that watermelon now? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Great, so this lady yeah. found radishes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not down. But it's, I think they're going to get their money. I think they've already have. So they had $4,000 gold. They're at $35,000 now. And the campaign is closed. Okay, so it ended on the 16th. So we, you can't even contribute, even if you wanted to. Um, but it's a calendar, you know, it's one of those calendar things. I, I, I got to say, though, I was a little sad. I mean, they should have, I'm sure they've also got guys who, who must be a part of this in some way. Uh, I, 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 you know, uh, I'm all about uh, equal no, they're lady, equal opportunity. They're lady farmers. I understand they're lady farmers, but you know. They say we're lady farmers. That's the, the first a thriving woman-owned business. They don't want any men in their calendar. All right, fine. You know, <laughs> <laughs> letting it go. Uh, the final thing this week is uh, just straight fun. Uh, the BuzzFeed videos. Uh, I've been watching a lot of them, and if you haven't been watching them, you should be. They're hysterical. Uh, everything from the food stuff to um, the dogs eat with peanut butter to, mm. oh, what was the other thing? Oh, the, uh, and, and these are advertisements right now, but the Dear, Dear uh, Kitten series is cracking me up. I don't know if you've seen the... I haven't seen the Dear Kitten series. I like the, uh, I like the food ones because, you know... Watching people eat pop rocks, or having everybody agree that a Twinkie is wholly gross, but very awesome at the same time, is pretty good. So Frisky's Since sponsored. It's cute kitty videos. How could you not love this? watching the video on a podcast <laughs> I know. well awesome it, show <laughs> it, had, it had audio i was sharing the audio right so anyhow <laughs> uh the deer that, that part in the show where you watch the video together that was really awesome <laughs> thank you for calling me out on that <laughs> all right <laughs> Uh, so uh, I introduced myself, Laura. Why don't you introduce yourself and a little bit about what you've been up to and, and 
what you so you're not actually so this is a community radio show and at the moment the community is me you and Bo is on the on the floor taking right, a nap right. Bo is, almost, is is the dog he is our champion. I almost brought my dog but sometimes Bo and Ruby don't really I don't know well I almost brought her but she might not I thought Ruby basically just takes a nap and so Bo's... Ruby's my dog I have more than my life than my dog I'm, I also I work with Guido and do GIS and maps and uh um, and mapping stuff for my job. Um, basically, I'm really every minute of my life that I can spend outside, I can be it laying in my hammock reading or actually going out and hiking, doing something outside. Um, what else do I like to do? Run outside. Uh, got I my don't dog. Know. But I feel like we've gone into interview mode, so I'm, I'm going to pull oh. out my phone to do some texting. I hear oh. this is the, the best <laughs> technique for interviewing people. <laughs> You're like, who are you texting? <laughs> uh, and as I was telling Guido this morning when I showed up at his place with my overly expensive coffee, it's like I really don't like people, so I think it's funny that that uh, he's asked me to to join in on this show with him. So... All right, and with that, why don't we? Uh, we're gonna go right into the interview, and uh, yeah, that goes goes in here. And I'm just gonna. You know, you'd be shocked, but everybody likes hearing about this. <laughs> oh. So you started an Instagram page. I started an Insta- Instagram page. Uh, it was recommended by a photographer that I do that, and I'm. Two posts into it. The first picture I did was a shot of white chocolate with nibs, the nibs having just been thrown in. And there it is. Seems to have worked. And the next one here is um, a close up shot of fat blum on untempered chocolate. So when I make chocolate, I pour it into big 10 pound slabs and let it cool down, and it will temper, it will not temper, it will just crystallize in the various ways that nature wants it to crystallize. And then in a few weeks, when I want to use it, I'll break it up into pieces and temper it. But one of my favorite things to do with that, it, these things is to take pictures of them because they, it's about the only creative thing I can do being just a chocolate bar maker. So I'm not doing truffles or bonbons and beautiful stuff like that. So you can only take so many shots of a chocolate bar. It's really hard to capture the flavor of chocolate without, uh, without having people actually put it in their mouth, right? Yeah. It's true, and there's, I mean, sometimes if you see a, a glistening bonbon with cinnamon and, you know, nice, you can get a sense of what it's going to taste like, but um, I happen to think that the untempered chocolate has, it can just be, from an artistic standpoint, is beautiful. Now, you wouldn't want to really eat it, for obvious reasons, because it's not going to melt the way you want it to melt in your mouth, but, um, and not to get too scientific, but they're basically five different types of crystal that a chocolate cocoa butter will form as it cools down from 115 degrees to room temperature and when you temper it you want just the type 5 which is one type of crystal and if you don't allow that to happen it'll form all four types over time and that's what this picture is showing like different types of crystals in, in one surface cool yeah so that's so- Instagram <laughs> So uh, I'm sitting here uh, at the Aeronaut Food Hub space. Is that correct? Yes. Did I get that right? All, all, all the right names. I think so. It's sometimes called the Urban Farmhouse. 
and uh, we're, we're sitting here in front of the uh, Somerville Chocolate headquarters in uh, Somerville, Massachusetts. And I'm sitting here with Eric, and Eric uh, Parks has been making chocolate for a couple of years now. He started off Chocolate CSA, and now he's expanding that Chocolate CSA into uh, a full-blown chocolate factory. That's right. I've been in this space for about four months now, three or four months. And before that, I was working out of my own kitchen, which was licensed residential kitchen here for about two years. Um, it's nice to be in a big space. It's kind of like a garage. Once you have a place to change your transmission, you don't know why you ever did it in your driveway. <laughs> Same thing, I spread out and made a mess. Chocolate making is actually kind of a dirty process, so it's, it's good not to get too fancy with it. Now, you, you, since moving into the space, you've upgraded some of your, your tools here, and I, uh, I'm staring at some of them right now. It's a lot of stuff that's got pipes and stuff. It, it's very Willy Wonka going on here. <laughs> that's the new tempering thing. So part of the thing with moving into the space is that I'm going to be up um, ramping up production a bit, and what I've been doing for tempering and molding so far has been just the old-fashioned marble slab and hand-depositing into molds with a big syringe basically and that it's fun for smaller amounts but in larger quantities that gets kind of old so the big expense here was a savage 50 pound tempering kettle it has a pneumatic pump that deposits chocolate into molds so i can dial in a size and it will just spit it in there and it'll take up to 50 pounds take it through the whole tempering cycle beep has all sorts of fun little sounds and lights and buttons and things like that and I like to think it's like a little piece of factory just dropped into my space. It, it does look like a little piece of factory. I'm, I'm waiting for the Oompa Loompas to come out and operate it. Yeah. <laughs> there is a learning curve with it, though. You're finding it's... The beauty of it is that it's so tweakable that you have to learn what all the tweaks do. So you can actually modify it every step of the way. So it's just not a painless process. Have you figured out the heating issue with the, uh, the pipe itself? Are you, I think we had talked about it earlier at some point. Oh yeah, and shipping um, a connector got loose. Oh, that, that was the issue. One of the temperature sensors, so it was not not regulating right. That's all fixed. Excellent. Yep. So it's working. It's working uh, correctly now. Yeah. The only thing left to do is to plumb it properly because it has to have a hot water connection and a drain and a pneumatic hose. So the chocolate CSA is. Um, are specific and unique per uh, harvest that you do. You have different variations on a theme per se, but the production stuff you're doing, what, what, what are the types of chocolate are you, that you're going to be doing in production that you can sell as bars? Yeah, the, the CSA, as you mentioned, has been sort of like it's a short order chocolate making process. Every time you get a different thing and it never reappears. But I've honed in on four bars that were either CSA favorites or that I happen to like a lot that are going to be made regularly and sold through stores. Um, one of those is a Nicaraguan cacao. It's a 70%. It's no cocoa butter added, no lecithin. And it comes from a grower in somewhere in the mountains of Nicaragua. Um, have sort of a direct connection with this particular cacao plantation. Um, it's good. It's got kind of a nice earthy, nutty flavor to it. It has a lot of natural cocoa butter in the beans, so it it's pretty creamy without having to actually add anything to it. The second is a Hawaiian 70%. 
and that comes from the Big Island of Hawaii, which is about the only place in this country that they grow cacao at the moment. People are, I think, going to attempt in Puerto Rico, but at the moment, at the moment, Hawaii is it. Um, a small grower there. I think he has something like 60 acres. Um, it's a good, good cacao. It's very. I think it has like a honey malt floral flavor to it, a little bit milder, and it has a really high cocoa butter content. I think I have never measured it, so it's nice and creamy. Um, the third one is a smoked Dominican bean. Uh, it's uh, smoked over apple wood, slightly sweeter. It's a 65%. And um, the fourth is a white chocolate with nibs. I make my own white chocolate using a natural cocoa butter, which turns out very well. I'm benefiting from low expectations in the white chocolate world. <laughs> and I, it's, it's good. You add, uh, add uh, cacao nibs to it to give it some crunch and texture, which helps. And those are the four. I'll, I might be cycling things in and out as time goes on when I discover new things. That's what I'm up to. Sounds great. So uh, currently, I think Formaggio, you said? Formaggio Kitchen here in North Cambridge and uh, Dave's Pasta, Dave's Fresh Pasta in Davis Square. Fantastic. And, to, and then something good next door to my space here. They sell it. If you wander in, they have some. Uh, and they have a nice little display here. Um, I don't know what, the, what their hours are, per se, but... You know, I'm sure you can find out by going on their website, but uh, something G-U-D, good. Yes. They're, I think they're here th Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, and then I think Saturday during the day they have um, sort of an indoor farmer's market that they put on featuring the various food makers that they carry. So I don't know if I told you yet, but the podcast name is actually called Good for Something. Maybe I should talk to them uh, about this. Yeah. I don't want to infringe yeah. on their uh, copyright in any way. But it is not GUD. It's it's actually good. Yeah, I think you're okay then. <laughs> um, so, what's the dream here? Where, where do you want to go with this? Um, the dream is to make more chocolate. So I think I would like to be in more stores in the area, and I would like to to increase the CSA size a lot. Um, I want to keep doing that. I think the beauty of the CSA is that it, it's it's kind of um, it's a great way to experiment with subtleties in chocolate making that you would never be able to find in stores and things. It's just to, to, to digress a little bit and give you a little plug to that. So it's I happen to like this kind of a camaraderie of people who are into chocolate. They're along for the journey, and you know if you get a a bad batch that didn't work out right, they appreciate knowing what a bad chocolate can taste like and. So I'd like to keep doing that and, and grow that and then just um, have a nicer retail presence in the greater Boston area. Um, I don't know beyond that if I don't have any great desires to conquer the chocolate world coast to coast, but we'll see. <laughs> you know, kind if, of take, it, if it happens. If it, I'm taking it as it goes. <laughs> um, from my personal experience, I think it's viable to take things a little bit slowly so that you don't get over your head and lose touch with what interested you in the first place. So. I think at one point you had actually thought about distributing some badly tempered chocolate or some badly made chocolate or badly roasted. I can't oh, remember what it was. Yeah, back with Harvest, with CSA number for the season one. Yeah, did you did you ever actually end up uh, distributing that? I know you, you you were on the fence about it. No, it was what it was is so depending on the bean, 
Some cacaos feel like they really want to be sorted a lot. Some of them, like the Nicaraguan is a really, really clean bean. I, I basically dump it right out of the bags into the roaster. And some of them have a lot of um, just bad stuff, whether it's what they refer to as twins, which is multiple beans that got stuck together when they fermented and they come out in one clump. And they therefore didn't ferment right. Um, broken beans and you know, all sorts of just junk. So after sorting out a few pounds of that one of the harvest, I decided I would try using exclusively those beans that I'd rejected to make a batch of chocolate. And what I produced was so incredibly bad that I actually couldn't eat chocolate for a good week or so after that because it was um, hideous and also close enough to the chocolate that I liked that it was just like it's putting a bad face on somebody you're familiar with. And I didn't, I couldn't throw it away because, you know, it was like such an evil thing. Someone might stumble on it. It's kind of like, um, choose your metaphor there, the ring and the Lord of the Rings or something. So I held on to it for about a year and finally decided it was either bury it in the backyard or just throw it. And I tossed it. I never gave it out because it was just so bad. It, it would, actually would turn your stomach. And that's the story of the bad... So, uh, seeing as you have, you have the potential for bad batches and also at some point I'm sure you get sick of chocolate in general, have you found any secondary uses, like, you know, fertilizing plants? I mean, is chocolate oh. suddenly, have you suddenly realized that chocolate is really good for this secondary uh, non-eating purpose? Well, compost, the shells, uh, the husks make great compost and the beans, um, and rejected stuff, it's really rich. Um, I don't know. Actually, I gave a bag to a guy who sells um, uh, organic free-range chickens through something good next door. We actually worked out a little swap of chocolate for chicken. He was on the paleo diet, and everything worked out with 70%. And in the process, I gave him a big bag of my extra uh, chocolate, the, the rejected stuff, the husk and things. And he used it as a bedding, I think, for his chicken, for the young hatchlings or whatever they call oh. it. And he said they loved it, it was narcotic, and for days after, when it was long gone, they were still hovering around, just picking away at empty space, wondering what happened to that good stuff they had. Now, I don't know if this could turn into a, a line of chocolate chicken or not. I don't know if, I, I suppose it doesn't really get into the meat that way. <laughs> it, might make, it might make it sweeter, who knows, again, secondary uses, who knows, like yeah. uh, added value. <laughs> and there are discussions, of course, with the brewery next door about getting cacao into their beers. Um, but that's not really using a byproduct so much as, as it is just giving them dedicated a batch of nibs to use. Um, I don't know. I haven't, something else will come up. I think some people also use the parts of the husk for brewing sometimes. There's a newer trend of brewing cacao, which is, I haven't had much of. So I can't speak good or bad of it, but I think it uses a lot of the husks and occasionally bits of the nib as well. You brew it like tea. Cool. So, um, what? Sorry, oh, just lost my, my track of where I was going here. Anyhow, um, what kind of response have you gotten uh, beyond just your your users? I mean, you you've, you've been written up a couple of places, and you're getting written up some uh, somewhere soon too, right? Yeah, a magazine, um, a local one. I don't know if I should disclose it until it's out or not, but um, I've had various blogs. Um, I had when I first started out, I got a, a little write-up in the Boston Globe G section, a, a one-paragraph thing. That was very exciting. Um, 
and um, oh, Elise Andrews has um, Somerville Beat, I think it's called. She did an article a couple of years ago that was nice. And then at various occasional things, that, uh, there's a write-up um, for the Boston Local Food Festival on their site that was nice. Um, for media, that's that's about it at the moment. Okay. And uh, if, if, are you doing any more markets uh, in the fall or winter that you know of, or is it, um, are you just prepping for your own opening? Uh, I don't think you've you've had the big opening party. Yeah, yet. I've not had a, an official opening yet. Um, I basically jumped into the space as soon as it was permitted and got um, swept away in making chocolate. At some point, I need to have a reality check, and someone needs to shut the machines off and say, "Have a party." <laughs> <laughs> but um, I will, the problem with the markets is it's a Saturday, a lot of them are Saturdays, and it's really hard for me to, to get out and just hang out in markets, which is unfortunate because it's really fun to do. But I know um, here in Somerville at the, the Winter Farmer's Market in the Armory, I will be, my chocolate will be available from Jeremy Spindler, who's a local candy maker, makes really good uh, confections and things like that and he'll be there I think every other week throughout the winter nice. he'll be selling my bars there so you can get it at that spot I don't have any other official farmers markets planned okay and uh, finally if people want to want to find you on the web or uh, or do you update your or do you, what do you, how do you let people know what you're up to um, I have so the the website is uh, somervillechocolate.com and there's a, a Facebook page, which I wouldn't even know how to give you that over audio. <laughs> something, I'll put, something, something. I'll one. put links in the show notes. <laughs> the web page has a little Facebook link to it. But I think the Facebook page gets updated more regularly. Um, not very good. The website was set up as a blog, which I'm not really using. So for more regular news, check the Facebook page or email me, um, which is be eric at somervillechocolate.com. Um, and just tell me you want to be on the email list and I'll send things out. I'm not very good about emailing frequently. I don't want to be people's spam, so I'm a little self-conscious about that, so fear not. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, oh, before we go any further, before we finish off here, I do want to say something here. So you, you started off with Instagram, and, and I have to wonder, you know, are you, are you getting the bug? I know that your, your sister has, uh, is, real, is a huge Instagrammer. <laughs> Are, are you feeling the same, or like you may be well, feeling the same way? I didn't know, see, until I set up my Instagram page, I hadn't seen her material, but I've seen it peripherally on Facebook. Um, yeah, it would be tough to match that. She has a good eye for that. <laughs> and especially, I notice she has a lot of regular updates with her coffee. And I don't drink coffee, so I can't do that. But I suppose if I were to get into the hot chocolate thing, I could try to do some nice chocolate mug shots every morning. And it's also a problem where she lives out in beautiful rural Maine, where you can pretty much go out your door and take a picture of anything. And here in Somerville, it's a little, you have to be a little more creative to find um, interesting stuff. But when you're making chocolate, there's always something around. Great. Thanks so much for your time. Well, thank you. The man makes good chocolate. <laughs> he does make good chocolate. <laughs> and his packaging of the chocolate, I think, it's gorgeous. Like, okay, you know, I'm a sucker for the packaging. His packaging is gorgeous. And the chocolate, 
It's pretty good. It is good chocolate. All right, so um, we're gonna have. I'm gonna try to do like a monthly drawing. So if people want to uh, participate in the drawing, uh, the 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 thing that you will, it doesn't cost anything to participate in the drawing. The thing you will win is one harvest from the chocolate CSA, which means that Laura's probably going to also enter the drawing. <laughs> There's no <laughs> rules about that. Right? No, no, no. <laughs> There's barely any rules about making a show at all, and uh, <laughs> the um, the basic premise to enter the drawing is to. Uh, let us know where you like to uh, where you like to buy your chocolate, and maybe what kind of chocolate you like to, to buy. And to do this, all you have, we have a Facebook page you can find on our website, and we have a Twitter account as well you can tweet at. Or if you, if you're tweeting and put a hashtag, we will also find it. The hashtag is GF Show, so good for something show and just one less S because that's just GFSSS Show Show Show. Seem too much. So GF Show. <laughs> and uh, so that wraps it up. I want to thank Eric again for uh, letting me interview him. Uh, we're now starting to find people to uh, to interview and to, to, to hang out with uh, in the future. I think uh, the next, actually, the next one is probably going to be about coffee. Mm. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, if you have uh, also if you if you have somebody that you think we should chat with, by all means, let us know. Reach out to us through Twitter and the Facebooks. And uh, yeah, that's that's that. I think. Do we have a tagline? Like, you know, do we, should we make one up? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a tagline by the next show. How's that? Exactly. So we're going to, um, uh, uh, at the end of this this recording, we're going to now, at the end of the shows, we're going to give you like two or three minutes of just the sound of being on the street in Somerville, Cambridge, Boston, you know, Boston in quotes. Um, and uh, I hope you enjoy this. Uh, thanks for listening. Is my That's what I used for, for my other podcast. So I really don't want to use that. Thanks for listening. Yeah, that was how I ended all my podcasts. I, yeah, I don't really have an out exit. Enjoy, enjoy the sound.